you know, sh share with us. How, how did you, kind of, I'd love to hear your story. How did you get into the, the, to freedom and to care about these, these issues? And how did that lead you to Lions Not Sheep and then running for office? Um, a lot of things to cover there. I got, I, I ran for office because I wanted to get involved. I wanted to see, it was a special election, election when Kurt, uh, when, um, Chafis was stepping down. So it was like a, uh, not even a 90 day campaign. And I was like, well, what the hell? Let's like, let's see how this goes, you know? So I ran as an unaffiliated candidate and wasn't independent, wasn't a Republican. I mean, there's no way I'm going to go through the entire process. So I went out, got a couple signatures and I wanted to see what the process was like. I wanted to not just be like, oh, okay, I did it, but like truly understand the nature of it. And I learned some very, very, which I shared with you, invaluable lessons. The, 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 the most, the, the biggest being this. Um, and I'll say, I mean, there's so much we could talk about with why I ran and, and things that went on in there. But um, the thing that was fascinating to me is, you know, I, I can listen to the news. I can hear your story, your story, you know, your story. But I like to figure things out on my own. Like, I like to ask why. I like to read the books and come up with my own knowledge, right? I want my own testimony. I, I hear other people's testimonies. What's my testimony, right? And uh, the thing that was really fascinating to me is that there were three televised debates during this um, election. And you had to poll high enough to be included in the debates. Now, I polled at zero for all three of the debates for a very interesting reason. I mean, any of you that know me or know my social media know that I'm very outspoken. I mean, it, it's kind of the equivalent really? of would you want like, <laughs> like, do you really want to have Donald Trump on the state? Do you really want to debate Donald Trump? He's the loosest cannon out there. I could only fathom what it would be like being Hillary's like strategist going, okay, how are we going to address this? Be like, we have no damn clue because we have no clue where he's going to go. Yeah. He's going to talk about anything. How do you prepare for that? <laughs> yeah, That's dangerous. When somebody's willing to go into deep water really fast and you're not prepared for that and you don't have canned scripts for that, you could be humiliated really fast. So that's not where you want to go, which is why me on the stage here in Utah would not have been a great thing for our Republican. I would have uh, paid money to see that one. I would have too. A lot of people would have. <laughs> so I pulled at zero. And to make a long story short, um, the, the Republican, the Democrat, the Independent, and the Libertarian all pulled high enough to be included in the debates. And I pulled at zero. It wasn't included in any of the televised debates. Uh, yet in the general election, I actually beat the Libertarian which oh, as an unaffiliated yeah. candidate, having no political it's party, awesome. having the national party actually fund the libertarian mm -hmm. candidate was really impressive. It hadn't been done before. Like, so have an unaffiliated candidate beat a national party in a general was interesting. Well, then I started looking at it going, okay, who are these polling companies? Like, how did I poll at zero? Well, anybody who knows anything about polling companies, I'd never really done any research. They're all owned by mainstream media. Right. Fox, ABC, CNN, if you, if you actually look at who owns the polling company, it, you just pick whichever poll you want it to go to, wherever you want the numbers to go, and you pick that polling company, and you know exactly what you're going to get. So there's no real true polling. It's just manipulated numbers, which was really fascinating right. to me. I didn't understand that, so it was cool. But I got involved because like, I, I, the older I get, maybe it's being a father. Um, I grew up in Washington, D.C. My parents um, you know, born and raised in New York City, so I spent a lot of time in D.C. I spent a lot of time at the National you know, archives and the museums and, and growing up in that culture um, and not necessarily being in a political family. You know, I was raised in an Irish Catholic family. We had our beliefs. We went to church, so on and so forth. But the older that I've gotten, the more I've truly understood my identity in this culture and, and me as a sovereign man. Like, what does sovereignty really mean? What does freedom really mean to me? And it's something that I get to ask myself on the regular. And it's and when you're a kid, you don't really care about this, right? But as you start getting older and you start understanding your place in, in culture and you start looking at dollars and taxes and things and money going around the world and different things like that, you start paying attention more. 
And uh, over the last uh, probably 10 years or so, I've really started to look at our culture, like look at our country, look at how this country was founded, studying the founding fathers and, and you know, the John Adams of the world and, and, the, and the men who really were instrumental in building what we now enjoy and being the bedrock of this foundation. And it's been fascinating to me. And I love studying history and looking at other cultures and stuff. And it's something that has become um, not just a point of pride, but it's something deeply rooted in my DNA deeply rooted in my DNA. And, you know, God blessed me a number of years ago with this megaphone called social media. I had some posts go viral and have over a billion views of my videos and millions of followers and have, you know, started this brand called Lions Not Sheep, um, which has just taken off and just gone absolutely crazy. Um, but I understand that, that, that from a, a leadership standpoint, it is a gift. I mean, I didn't wake up one morning going, you know what, I'm going to be this social influencer. This sounds great. I'm going to try this. And it doesn't happen like that. It was just this natural progression of me getting more and more and more raw and me getting more and more open, sharing my story, sharing masculinity, where I am, what I am, like the pains and the frustrations, the can highs I, and the lows, you know? Can I jump in real quick? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> where did Lions Not Sheep come from? And what, and what does that mean to you? After my divorce, um, I was in a really dark place. Um, I had spent my entire life doing as I was told. This is what success looks like. This is what normal looks like. I had the house. I had the wife. I had the kids. I had the job. I had the employees. And, and I ended up, uh, I don't know what a midlife crisis looks like, but if it looks like leaving your I could tell your you. business and your marriage <laughs> and everything else, I mean, I was kind of a textbook guy. Um, and I spent a lot of time, I, and I was going through that. I wasn't like, hey, how do I make more money? How do I build more business? I, I was truly asking God, like, why am I even here? Like, why am I on this rock? Forget everything else. I've already figured out how to make millions of dollars. I've already done it. Like, why am I here? I'm on this, we're all on this rock that's literally flying through space at however many hundreds of thousands of miles an hour, whatever the hell the numbers are. It's, it's insane, right? Like, why am I here now? And I went on this journey and uh, one day it literally popped into my mind. And at the time I was doing real estate, I'd done real estate for 15 years. I wasn't a coach. I didn't do coaching. I didn't do apparel. I, I bought my crap from Nordstrom's and Dillard's like everybody else did. And Lions Not Sheep popped into my mind one day and it wouldn't leave. And it was like that nagging thing that just, it was like banging around in my brain. It kept coming and coming and coming. And I just couldn't get it out of my head. And it was literally months that I was thinking about it before I even spoke it, before I even talked about it. And I literally wrote it on my bathroom mirror and it became my own personal mantra. And it took shape for me as like, I've, I've got two choices. I've lived most of my life as a sheep. I did what I was told in church. I did what I was told in business. I did what I was told in life. I fit the box of a good dad, a good husband, a good leader. And yet I was depressed. I didn't know why the hell I was doing anything. I didn't know why I was here. I didn't know what my real purpose was. Um, and so I, I started literally looking at it from a definitive standpoint of, am I being a lion or am I being a sheep? Because the truth of the matter is lion does whatever he wants to do. When a lion wants to sleep, he just goes and he sleeps and nobody screws with him. And when he wants to eat, he just goes and he kills something and he eats. And the lion truly does whatever he wants and nobody stops him. Nobody says, well, here's the rules. You can't kill that little hyena because that's mean. doesn't matter. I'm hungry. I'm going to kill him. I'm going to eat him. And I started really looking at my life and understanding that I had never actually figured out, number one, who I was or what I was. And number two, I'd never planted my flag anywhere. I'd never truly stood for who, who I, or what I was because I didn't know. And that became kind of the journey that I started, which you now see of, of me trying to really identify who I am and what I am. And what I found is this outlet of social media where I just started sharing real stuff, 
not like what gets likes and clicks. And this is, you know, eight years ago when you weren't censored, I could say whatever I wanted. And now if I just sneeze in the wrong direction, I get blocked for 30 days, right? <laughs> but I just started sharing my truth. I started sharing my pain. I started sharing my frustration. I started sharing about my divorce. I started sharing openly, you know, which what's interesting about masculinity is we think masculinity is this alpha ba banging on our chest saying we have every answer. And I started saying, I don't know everything. Yeah. I don't have all the answers. Yeah, I have a lot of pain. Yeah, I have a lot of frustration. I have a lot of anger. I'm angry at a lot of things in life. I, there's a lot of things that scare me. There's a lot of light nights that I cry myself to sleep where I don't know, like, did I even want to live? And as I started sharing this, like, one day, a post that I shared about my divorce ended up going viral. And it reached literally tens of millions of people. And I went from having 200 friends to 40,000 followers what, what in a week. Of, what kind of post was that? I had, uh, I had gone through a really nasty divorce uh, because I was very prideful. I had a lot of anger. I had a lot of uh, ego and made my divorce really nasty, which is what most men do because we're scared and we just don't know how to talk about it. So we just try and inflict as much pain as we can because we're in pain. And one night um, through all of this, I had started to change the course with my ex-wife and we went from literally having restraining orders against each other and having to pick up and drop off our kids at a police station to me rebuilding the relationship with her and it took years literally i, I one of the challenges for my coach was to um share something positive with her and i'm like you don't understand like I a life coach like yeah you, you went out and got a life coach i, I, had a, I got a coach because i just got tired of being tired and i'm like you don't understand like i kind of hope she gets hit by a bus i don't have anything positive to say to your friend <laughs> and he's like you need to do it and that was the challenge for me it's like would i overcome my own ego would i be willing to go into the darkness of doing something that was humbling would I do it and as I started to do it, it took 14 months before she ever said thank you to a text message an email a note or anything like that and to make a long story short one night I went to pick up my kids and we were at a place now where we could pick up and drop off from each other's houses but I'd stay in the car and the kids would come out and um, she ended up getting remarried having a baby and my kids invited me in I saw the baby and it just I like was brought to my knees literally going no one will have any idea how much of a hell I had to go through to get here, to be able to like sit with this woman and have this experience to, to, to literally bring myself to a place of true humility. And when I got home that night, I sat on my bed and I just wrote this post. And I talked about how angry I was, how bitter I was, how big of a jerk I was to her and how much pain I was in. And I went to bed and didn't think anything of it and woke up the next day. And over the next 11 days, over 10,000 people an hour an hour like that post it went wow. viral wow it truly went viral millions you your of ego. people yeah 100 percent. yeah i just i did for the first time what i had truly never done and i told the truth i just told the truth and i didn't blame anybody for anything i, I told people i was a jerk and it wasn't because of her it was just because i was a jerk and most of my life i had lived as like with the market crash so that's why i lost money or she was being rude and so i was being rude and you did this. You were a victim to this. everything. I was a victim to yeah. everything, which is yeah. where our culture really is. Mm -hmm. Majority of people in our culture are truly a victim. They take accountability for nothing. We blame everybody for everything else. Yep. And for the first time, I just stepped up and I was like, no, I was a jerk because I was just a jerk. I am trying to like water down. Yeah, my yeah you're doing good. You're doing, you're doing <laughs> awesome. Good. But I just, I told the truth. And it was interesting because I learned two things in that, in that moment. Number one, I learned that millions and millions and millions of people resonated with my darkness. It was weird because we see you look at social media as like the highlight, right? It says highlights. I got done telling you all my trash. I literally dumped my trash out and everybody's like, that was amazing. That was fantastic. You have this whole thing figured out. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? That's because they're in the same boat. Millions of people resonated. So I realized something in that moment. I was like, well, crap. If my truth is what resonates me to millions of people, then I'm just going to keep telling it. And then the second thing that I learned is I just felt better. 
it's weird. It's so simple. Like I just felt better. I didn't have to lie. I didn't have to hide. I didn't have to masquerade around as this alpha, as this, this ego maniac. I just told people truth. I felt really good about it. I felt lighter because I was literally airing out my laundry, emptying the rops from the backpack, whatever you want to call it. And millions and millions and millions of people started following me because of it. And it was such an odd dynamic. And so I challenged myself literally like, okay, if, if this is how you build a massive tribe and you feel good doing it, then I'm just going to keep doing it. So literally for the last eight years, I've just shared my thoughts and my feelings with no <clears throat> filter, with pure question. candor. Um, you're the one that took initiative to fix the relationship, right? With, with your ex, you didn't wait for her. Right. And in fact, it was like you kept putting in all the work. Uh, do, you, do you guys think it is the role of the man to the, the responsibility falls on him to fix it when there's a problem in the relationship that buck stops with him to make it right here's what the role and the responsibility of a man is to to fix the man mm -hmm. yeah. it's the man's job to fix the man yep. it's not the man's job to fix the wife it's not the man's job to fix the relationship it's the man's job to fix the man but if there's a fight and there's a dispute mm -hmm. someone's got to say sorry first someone has to take initiative to fix it, do you think that's the person who is? Do you think that falls on whoever the offender was, whoever offended, or do you think that buck falls to the man? My my bigger question is why were you as the man in the fight? Why did you allow it to go? That's there? A, that's a great question, but we're human, right? Correct. We're, we're going to get in fights, and right. even and even when it's not our fault. So looking at but, anything other than yourself, anything other than yourself is being a victim. What I realized is. I gave all of my power away in life by being a victim. Yeah. This is what victims don't understand. They think it's empowering mm -hmm. to blame you. Mm -hmm. You're responsible for everything. The market, is the president is just responsible for everything. Yep. Congress, they're, they're responsible for everything. No, you're literally giving all of your power away. I gave all my power to her. I blamed her for everything. And what I realized is like, I can't stop her from holding the gun, the figurative gun. But what I do have control over is putting the bullets in it. I was the one putting the bullets in the gun and she just kept shooting them back at me. And this is what me as men, we as men do. We blame everybody for everything when the reality is I'm, I'm responsible for all of it. If I find myself in a fight, I am 100% accountable for finding myself in that fight. If I'm driving down the road and a dude flips me off on the freeway, throws an apple at my car, throws a brick through my window, if I choose to pull over and beat his ass, I chose that. Is that 100% chose that. So, and so that's my choice. You understand what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah, for sure. And that's the definitive true. Jocko wrote, uh, was it Jocko that wrote Extreme Ownership? Yes. Yeah. And you think about what extreme ownership is. It's all of it. Yeah. And this is one of the most difficult things in, in my belief system for a human being to do because it's so easy and it's so it feels so good to not take the ownership. When you can pass it to someone else, when you can say it's your fault, it's like, okay. It's not on me. I don't have to look at my crap. I don't have to ask myself why I found myself in that in that argument. If I'm in a disagreement with my wife, it is 100% my fault. 100% my fault. All right, I want to know what you guys think about this quote. <clears throat> this is a quote that literally changed. Let's pass some waters out here. Thank you. And by the way, John Harvey, thanks for bringing these in to, to everybody here. Uh, I want to know what you guys think about this quote. This, this changed literally changed my life. Um, there's only one way to salvation. And that is to make yourself responsible for all men's sins. As soon as you make yourself responsible in all sincerity for everything and for everyone, 
you will see at once this is that this is really so and that you are in fact to blame for everyone and for all things as floyd Dutowski, i always have a hard time with his name what do you think about that that's that's a that's a crazy quote though right you're responsible for everybody's mistakes (laughs) around you one of the things i love is uh and i'm i'm not a huge fan of bill gates why from not? Social, the guy's been amazing reality. for this country. Now, but he did say something very, very, very profound, which I fully believe. He's like, if you're born poor, oh yeah, that's not your fault. If you die poor, that's your fault. And I fully believe that. Like, yep. it took me 40 years. It took me 37 years to truly understand what and who I really am and to take ownership for what and who I really am. You know what I mean? And, and that's such a radically difficult thing for human beings but it is in my opinion my personal opinion as a coach i have thousands of clients i've spoken on stages all over the world with some of the best speakers in the world it is one of the most difficult things for a human being to do is to look at themselves and say i did this yeah you're fat i did this you're broke i did this you're angry i did this and it's so simple to go well i'm big boned well, I got a problem. I got a knee thing and a back thing and a thing, and she said this, and he did this, and the market did this, and Victims. my boss did this. Victims. It's so easy. But what, what, what so few people understand is what's on the other side of extreme ownership. It's true liberation. It's true freedom. It's it peace. True, it's happiness. True, yeah. true freedom from all attachment and power anything. It is true power. That is, in my opinion, it's the nucleus of power saying I am responsible for everything rich roll was having uh, david goggins on his podcast i don't know if you saw that episode but just quite that and and rich says to him well this and that happened and he goes oh i've been in your shoes man he goes no no, no that's your fault and he goes no you don't understand he goes and before he could even get it out he says no i understand yeah i understand he says that's your fault so whatever it is you think in your head get it out of your head stay hard it's it. it's so it's so mind-bending man and this is why i i I say what I say, especially to conservatives. I know we're all conservatives sitting around the table, right? This is, this is the beef that I have with the right, if you will, or the conservatives, or the hell you want to call yourself. Like, you have to take ownership of where you are. The most powerful thing that we as a collective will do is to get our own home in order. Blame no one for anything. The current status, inflation, gas, it doesn't matter. We are responsible for us. We have to get our homes in order. And that's the only way we, if you will, will win anything. That's the only way I'll win anything is 100% ownership. And what, what people don't see is the power in that. And they, they, they look at it, they, people, whoever, whatever you're going to say is like, it's so simple to literally put everything on somebody else because then you have no ownership and you don't have to look inside. I had to look inside after my divorce. I had to look at it and go, why did I find myself here? And the truth was I built this. I created this. I was, I was feeding the monster of ego, of insecurity, and I blamed her for everything. Well, I was a jerk because she said this. And what I stopped doing it was, was putting that power on somebody, and I just stopped saying the word but in a, lot of, in a lot of ways. Yeah, I was a jerk. Where I would say I was a jerk, but it was because she did this. You know, I was a jerk. And, and that's humbling because a lot of her friends, a lot of her family, everybody was like, oh, especially when it's public online, they're like, oh, yeah, you definitely were. We saw it, and he did this, and she did it, and I saw it firsthand. And that's the tough pill. That's, that's, the, that's the price you have to pay for ownership is I had to look at myself and say, I am responsible for this. See, I think that's, you know, we talked earlier about this, uh, you know, call it a pandemic, whatever you want to call it, this crisis of beta males. And I, I think one of the, the key defining things of, of a beta male versus someone who truly, you know, 
evolves into his, into his manhood or becoming a, so, a king sovereign. A, yeah, you, you know, king, man. We are kings, yeah. right? And that's what we are meant to be um, is someone who takes – is that when the dime drops and, and they take responsibility – first for themselves and then for those around them. When the boy dies, who the boy has taken care of and the victim, mother, the great mother takes care of him and solves all his problems and makes everything better to when he goes out and the boy dies and he comes back a man and now he is responsible for the world. And I think, actually, I mean, how much of the world right now is driving that idea into men that they're victims versus... Well, that's, what I, that's what I wanted to touch on was when, when Sean was saying about men taking responsibility, and that's, that is it. This... This culture we live in in Utah, I've been in Utah most of my life, you know, but it says to follow. Mm-hmm. Most people follow, whether it's the predominant religion, a social media post or somebody on social media, um, a school, whatever it may be, right? They follow these things. They are truly not their own people, okay? Both husband, wife, friends, kids, whatever it is. The one thing that I've learned in the last few years now I've always been pretty strong and outspoken but the one thing I've learned in the last few years on my own is that I don't need to follow man okay no man do I need to follow who I need to follow and trust in is God and my relationship with him and how I feel about things how does my house get set in order and that doesn't necessarily mean you know monetarily right some people may not have the means and they're gonna have the best guy that's got his house set in order with everything else and he's got he's got his his, uh, his needs met, okay? But to have your house in order is, is so wide and so profound that just to be at peace with yourself and understand that if and when things go down, if and when things go wrong, because they always do, you're at peace. And that's to have, uh, when I was a kid, no fear. You remember the brand, No Fear? Yeah. yeah. My dad says, he, he would come to me and he says, no fear. Do you know what that is? And I said, what's that? And he says, that's a perfect love for God. Mm. You have no fear of God because you know him and he knows you, right? And so that was something that, I, that it was instilled in, in me as a kid. And so if you can have no fear of God, understanding that he knows your heart, then you've got it made. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. How, how far down this rabbit hole do we want to go? Because I want to ask you a question on that. Because <laughs> when go. you talk about the fear, right, of, of God, like on the flip side of that coin, what are we programmed with God or about God? To the fear. fear God. And so there's this, there's this dilemma and that's Mm -hmm. where at my turning point, that's the moment that I got to where I was like, I've read all the books. I've done the deal. I I grew up Catholic. I joined the Mormon church. I served the Mormon mission, did the deal. I did everything I was supposed to do, but I had never actually gone into my own wilderness. Mm. Like the book. Go, go. I want more. What does that mean? Sean, let's, you, let's talk about it. what does that mean. I've never you, you gotten had a my post. own. We could do a whole podcast. Sean, Sean had a post on this that I and I, I want you to touch on this too because this I think this is relevant. Okay, one of the best posts I think you've done. Okay, where you said this leader, I'm not going to bring religious. I'm not going to name names. Okay, this leader, this leader, this leader. There's truth in all of it. Yeah, and I looked at that because now that I've traveled the world, I look at it and it's, think the same thing. I get out of my bubble and I go, there is. Yeah, there's truth everywhere, and I found that really profound just to say that the, there's truth in all things. And if, if you can understand that, you're a lot better off. So, so I want to know about the wilderness. Give, give an, an Let's talk about the goat. Um, and this fly, understand too, I mean, I, I, I think setting the context, it doesn't matter. You Google me, figure out where I've been, whatever. Uh, the truth of the matter for me was that I had never actually asked for myself. Like I believed what I was told. I'd read the book. I've read the Book of Mormon. I've read the Bible. I've read the Bhagavad Gita. I've read everything like countless times, right? 
And I'd realized that I'd never actually gone to God. I'm like, all right, teach me. And if you believe the Bible, there's countless stories of a guy walking by in the bush, catches on fire, right? And he's Bush is talking to him. Now, some people think he's on drugs. Who knows, right? There's another dude who, like, went and lived in the belly of a whale. Like, all of these crazy, obscure things. And then there's this 14-year-old boy that went into the woods, and what did he do? He went and he prayed to God. He went into the freaking wilderness. He literally went to the wilderness and said, all right, God, I don't know if I believe any of these churches, which is right and which is wrong. Now, if you're Mormon and you're listening to me, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And then what happened? God came down and was like, hey, none of them are. I'm going to give you a book. Fantastic. So there's an entire religion built on a boy going into the wilderness, asking God, having a conversation with God, and then finding his own path. And so my challenge for people and my challenge to myself is, have you closed all of the books, put them to the side, and gone into your own wilderness and talked to God? Because this is what's fascinating is if a guy came out like of the parking lot right now, I was like, dude... I was just talking to God out there. Most people like, whatever, man. He's freaking nuts. He's on drugs. He's free. I'd be like, for real? Like, is he still out here? Like, what did he tell you? Like, what did you guys talk about? Like, seriously, tell me more. Like, where's he at? Call him back. Bring him back, you know? And that's the difference between what you're talking about and being so ingrained in the secular dogma mm-hmm. and, and believing what you told. This is the sheep. And I'm, I, I don't mean, I'm not calling anybody names. I believe in religion as it serves people that need it. I chose to go on a journey and start talking to God. And I talk to God every day and have a phenomenal relationship with God. And when God says, pull over and help this person change a tire, I don't ask questions. I pull over and help and change a tire. When God says, go to this podcast, have a conversation here, pull over right now and write these words, I pull over and I write these words. And I've found that I do as much, if not more, missionary work today than I did when I had a black tag on. I bring more people to the conversation of truth than I, than, than I did when I was an ordained minister. And what I come back to every single time is if you believe what you say you believe, then you must believe going into your own wilderness. But that is where it gets scary. That's where you have to truly question everything and come up with your own knowledge. And that's terrifying because what if it goes against? What if it's not the same? What if it's bigger? What if it's different? What do I do? Right. Do you think there's something about men needing to grow needing to be alone to have those kind of meaningful growing experiences i think men have to want to but do you think do you think it's something that can come in in classrooms or around other people or or do you think it can or do you think it needs there's something about being alone with yourself and with god that you find more depth god's everywhere god's talking to me all the time god's talking to me up down left right in out like God's talking to me all the time. I, I think what what we miss, uh, and we, meaning men, masculine, whatever you want to call it, um, is the desire for more, to truly question everything. Because questioning everything makes you vulnerable. And when you become vulnerable, a lot of people think it's weak. And I challenge that. And I think vulnerability is one of the single greatest superpowers that a man can have. Boom. I agree. 